0: Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. Here we will talk about doctrine and theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to respond and face these issues. Get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready to have your tables flipped. As a friend just told me recently, Table Flippers is flipping awesome. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back your host the host with the most I don't know if I'm allowed to say that but anyways here I am I'm back and uh, I'm actually recording this while on a cruise ship it's almost midnight and I'm on a cruise ship of all places you see I am such a giving host that I even give up part of my vacation to record these for you. Why? Because you guys are special to me and I want to keep you in the know and I want to challenge you and I want to keep you abreast of what's going on. And I want, uh, again, I want to challenge you uh, in the way you think, in the way you live, the way you do things, because these are trying times. They don't have to be trying times, or at least not as trying as we have experienced, but they're trying times mainly because the church has not been doing what the church is supposed to be doing. I've been thinking about the last uh, three podcasts uh, entitled are we in the last days? And there's part one, part two, and part three. If you haven't listened to those, please listen to them. I think you're going to get a lot out of them. At least it's going to get you thinking. In my last podcast, I talked about the end time theology as it's been taught in most churches, especially in America. And what I have discovered in my own life, and I put it into that podcast, is some of the failings of that doctrine And I just want to, again, share with you this, that, and I stand by this, that doctrine is false doctrine. You have heard it, I have heard it, it's been taught in most every church in some manner, shape, or form for the last, oh, about 100, 150 years. Really strong, maybe, well, at least in my lifetime, the last 50 plus years. I can remember this being taught When I was a little kid and even very, very young, I can remember the fear mongering and the fear that many of these pastors and preachers were trying to lay upon their people that uh, you know, if we had to get ready, we had to be ready because Jesus has come back at any time. And if we weren't ready, we would be left behind. And then some guy comes along and, and writes a series on it, turns it into uh, movies or whatever. You know, left behind. And then, you know, uh, part of being ready wasn't it wasn't just that you had to be saved. That wasn't ready enough for most of these guys. Then you had to go out and get absolutely everybody else saved because if you weren't getting other people saved, then you weren't really ready and you're not going to make it. You could be left behind because somebody in your world, in your life, wasn't saved. So you probably aren't going to make it because you didn't get that one person saved. And it was all this fear-mongering and this nonsense and it's still being pushed today. And... We are paying. uh, It has repercussions. Everything that's taught from the pulpit in our churches has repercussions, and we're living them out. Let me share with you some of the repercussions, and then hopefully I can explain to you why. Politically, our nation is in an absolute mess. Um, You know, it. I'm just, again, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to tell you the truth. We have this wicked party called the Democrats that are pretty much running everything right now they're running not only the government but many of our major cities our states they're running the educational system Uh, they're running business and finance and and the banks and all of the things that the democrats and i don't mean some all of the things the democrats are touching and in charge of are falling apart they just it's a wicked party that makes everything else they touch wicked and what's so interesting is this party has been able to convince many Christians to vote for them, even though their entire platform is anti Christ. You see, here's one of the problems with the end time theology as it's being taught we are looking for a single person called the Antichrist. When we have a political party called the Democrats, that's an Antichrist system. We have many Antichrists all over this nation working for and out of that wicked party that has become a antichrist system and an antichrist party. And they bring that antichrist ideology into absolutely everything they touch. And then Christians go along with it. And then when something falls apart and guys like me come along and point it out and say, listen, this is a uh, a problem guys, we need to fix this. What do these Christians do? oh, well, it's just a sign of the times. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just supposed to happen so that Antichrist can show up. He can start causing problems for us, the tribulation, and then Jesus just comes and raptures us all out of here. Like somehow, some way, these Democrat voters who claim to be Christians are somehow working for Jesus to help him set the stage so he can ultimately come back and get us. It's the weirdest thing I've ever been seeing. So we have a whole group of Christians voting for an antichrist system, which makes everything worse and everything fall apart for us. And then what do we do when, when, when it's pointed out and we start seeing these problems? Oh, it's just has to happen. And this is one reason why I'm against this whole end time theology, because this is what it creates. It doesn't create something right, good, or righteous. It creates fear, and it honestly, it just creates absolute foolishness, absolute stupidity in the hearts and the minds of God's people. This is why it's a false doctrine. And as I said in my last podcast, and I probably said it in uh, the last three podcasts, but any doctrine that produces Fear in God's people is false doctrine, and the end-time eschatology, as it's taught in most churches, does nothing but promote fear in the hearts and the minds of God's people. And by virtue of that alone, it's a false doctrine. And there's still people making lots of money scaring people by writing these books, putting Uh, out these movies and these videos and writing songs about it and this the christian community just gobbles it up like this is uh you know the gospel and it's not and things get worse and worse and worse and worse and we're just been programmed like dancing monkeys we've been programmed to just go, well, it's just supposed to happen that way, it's gotta get worse, it's gotta get bad, and the the whole time, no, it does not. I wanna read something to you, and I I not wanna put it in some of the other podcasts, but I just wanna read this to you. In Luke chapter 19, this is the story where the, it says a certain nobleman went into a far country, and this nobleman is a representation of Jesus, and we know that when Jesus left the earth, he left the earth as it says here in this parable, to get a kingdom for himself. Right now, what is Jesus doing? He is working in the heavenly realm, securing the nations of this planet to be part of his kingdom. And what are you and I supposed to be doing? Taking the resources that Jesus left us and working with him by his spirit, taking nations and making them the kingdom of God. But instead, what is our generation doing? sitting on their gifts. In this particular story in Luke 19, uh, Jesus equates these gifts as minas, and that's a sum of money. And it says in verse uh, Luke 19, verse 13, he says, So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. I want to read that again. Do business till I come. And what is the church world today doing, especially in America? Certainly not the business of Jesus. Jesus, right now, is in the business of taking nations as his inheritance. And what is the church world doing? Running around in fear. In fear that Antichrist is going to show up any minute and create havoc. And if they're not found doing something really cool like saving souls. And please do not, do not misunderstand me. I am not against saving souls. I think a strong, healthy evangelistic uh, um, drive is extremely important, but not because we're in the end times. That's just the way it's supposed to be. But at the same time, remember, Jesus never told us to make converts. And that's all it seems that the church is doing today. Very few people are being truly discipled. And I can't think of one nation on this planet that is strategically being discipled by the church. Please don't misunderstand me again. I know that there are nations being discipled in a kind of covert, almost accidental way on our part because God, who's known as Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, he's also known in some circles as Jehovah Sneaky. And Jehovah sneaky is sneaking his people into certain places that don't even know what they're doing or why they're doing it. But he's still getting his job done because Jesus said to um, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And if we don't come up with a strategy, a strategy for that, a working strategy, he will be Jehovah sneaky and get us into places that we never really thought we could go. How do I know this? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I could tell you many, many, many stories of this type of thing happening. But it's happened to me in my ministry in my lifetime. I remember when um, I finally stopped running from God. He wanted me to go into ministry. I didn't want to go into ministry, at least not the ministry he was asking of me. And I said, fine, God, I finally caved in. uh, And I said, fine, I'll Go into the ministry. I'll be your man. I'll do anything you wanted me to do, except don't send me to Africa. Now, those of you with African heritage, African blood, or just love Africa, please don't misunderstand me. It had nothing to do with the people of Africa. It just had everything to do, again, with all these scare stories that was permeated the church when I was a young man. And we saw all the pictures of all the death and all the famine and all the disease. We saw the pictures of um, terrible villages and terrible towns and everything like that. You know, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I had these plans and these ideas. I wanted a church of about 300 people, not too big, not too small, big enough to pay the bills and have enough people to basically run the church really well. I wanted it somewhere green in the mountains and near a river, so that I can preach on Sunday, do Bible study on Wednesday, and hunt and fish the rest of the week. So going to Africa would have really, um, you know, thrown a wrench into my plans. God could have sent me somewhere else, like France, somewhere cool in Europe, like Switzerland. But Africa was hot, And it was dry and it was poor. And it. basically what I'm saying is I was completely self-centered, selfish, self-absorbed. And um, I didn't want to break out of what I wanted. So I put all these demands on God. What's so funny about God is the very first place he ever sent me on any kind of real missions trip was to Africa. So the first time I was on an airplane flight like that, I'd flown before, but very little So my first real, what I call a real flight, and there's a reason I call it a real flight, because it was basically about 26 to 28 hours of travel. And about 21, 22 of those hours was literally in the air. So God really, um, you know, he got me good on that one. So anyways, all of these things were coming out, bringing fear into me. I was living under this. I just wanted to spend my last days on earth because I knew Jesus was coming back any minute. Antichrist was probably going to show up any minute. I was probably going to be raptured out of here any minute. Uh, Jesus, can I just spend my last few days on the earth fishing and hunting somewhere where it's green and mountainous? Well, God had another plan and um, I I don't want to get into all the details in it, but what really ruined a lot of those plans, to be honest. And I shouldn't say ruined, what corrected some of those plans. As I was saying in one of the other podcasts, I just literally started reading this for my own because some things did not measure up. I started finding things in scripture uh, that were different. When I actually read what the Bible actually said, it was different than what these preachers, teachers, and even my own pastors were saying about what we call end time. So I just went on a quest to read it for myself and I found something completely and totally different straight from the word of God. And in the very beginning, I didn't want to teach it because I wasn't sure. I was like, all of these guys, it's like a hundred to one. I'm the one in a hundred for just every one of me that finds problems with this. There was more than a hundred, probably more than a hundred. Yes. That were saying the exact opposite. So I was like confused. I was like, well, wait a minute. How come it is they're adding to Scripture, taking away Scripture? Uh, I didn't think we were allowed to do that because there's actually passages in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that warn us not to add to Scripture or take away from Scripture because terrible, terrible things can come upon the person that does that. And I started to see and realize that everybody that taught that futuristic end-time doctrine was adding to scripture and taking away scripture. They were literally adding things that weren't in the text, in the Bible text. It may have been in their textbook, but certainly not God's textbook. So I had a struggle with this for a long time. So I finally started teaching. I just said, I'm just gonna start teaching it. And I came across some other uh, people that were, were teaching along the lines that I started seeing for the first time. I was, I was starting to hear uh, complimentary voices that did the exact same thing that I did. They just went to the scriptures and teach only what the Bible says, not the opinions of man. And it really started frustrating me because as I said, I went to Bible school, I went to Bible college, I did very well. Uh, uh, Eschatology was one of the, that's end time doctrine, by the way. Uh, Eschatology is one of the classes we had to take and they taught us from their vantage point. And I learned it, I read the books, I read the articles, I went through all of it. Passed that class with flying colors, which then I continued my education in that because I was so intrigued in it. I just bought into it hook, line, and sinker. But then again, I did something dangerous. I went straight to the Word of God, found that God's Word was saying something actually different. But I had nobody at that time that was uh, saying these things, so I had no confirming voice. I thought I was so alone in this. And then uh, in a roundabout way, I came across a book by a gentleman by the name of Harold Eberly, and I read his book and it was almost as if I wrote the book because everything I was learning and all my notes and I just started teaching on it myself. uh, I started reading his book and I thought, wow, this guy is reading my notes. We're saying these things almost word for word. And it shouldn't be a mystery, you know, it shouldn't be this strange thing. When you simply just read the Bible and say what the Bible says, you're going to end up sounding like the other guy that's saying just what the Bible says. But when you have to add to it or twist it or take away from it to meet what you want it to say, well, the next guy may not be adding what you're adding or taking away what you're taking away. And it's not that either of you have some unique uh, revelation. If you're adding to the word of God, that's not unique revelation. That's a violation. If you're taking away from the word of God, again, that's not unique revelation. That's a violation. And a lot of these guys thought they had this unique revelation because they added their little twist on it over here or took away something, twisting it again over there. And then they acted like, oh, look at this. I have this great revelation. Well, that's where all of these failed predictions kept coming from. And so many of them would make this prediction, make that prediction. And they would say, oh, Jesus has to come back in this year or that year or this year or uh, during this Shemitah or these blood moons. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? What happened with the Shemitah? What happened with the blood moons? What happened in the year 2000, in the year 1984, the year 1988, what and what I'm doing is I'm I'm just throwing out some key words to a lot of predictions that failed, and guess what? We're still here, and there's people still buying those books, going uh, uh, every time somebody puts out a movie, and you know it's it's usually really really corny, but you got those really hardcore end time people that have to go 20 times. To to not just reaffirm their brainwashing, but be brainwashed even further, because that's what it ends up being. I will tell you a funny story. Uh, This goes back probably about 15 years. Um, One of the well-known televangelist people put out a movie on the end time. They wrote it. They produced it. They collected some actors, and they produced it. And it actually made it into, into some major movie theaters. And I'm always leery. I'm just going to be honest. I'm leery when a Christian group puts out a movie because it's usually really terrible writing, terrible acting. And we have to choke through this thing. But we want to support because we're Christians. We want to support the Christians. And I wasn't really going to go because that was about the time, really about the time, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm really, you know, this whole end time thing. I'm just like done with it. But I, we met a couple, me and my son, my youngest son. We met a couple that went on and on and on about how fantastic this movie was, how biblically based it was. The writing was excellent, the the uh, acting was excellent. Everything about it was excellent. So I thought to myself, well, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's go. So me and my son went. We go. Uh, it was about two o'clock showing, and the lady even told us you got to get there and you got to get there early to get a good seat. So we, we, we got there early. Do you know there was about four people in that entire movie theater? Me and my son and two or three other people. And it was one of the worst. It was so bad on every level. We laughed. I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. I wanted to laugh because it was actually so cheesy and so corny. You know, it's all based on, again, what we know to be end time theology. But at the same time, I wanted to cry because it represented me, I'm a Christian, I'm a minister. And it was a horrible representation of who I am as a Christian and as a minister. It was embarrassing. I even had people ask me about it. I'm like, no, no, that that, that is not me at all. That is not me. And, and it really opened my son's eyes. And he went off to Bible school um, a few years after that, and I'm so glad that he had that experience before he went off to Bible school, because I know in Bible school, he's going to learn about uh, eschatology. He's going to learn the denomination's viewpoint on end time. He's going to learn all this nonsense that was basically woven into that movie. But when he saw how cheesy the movie was, it was less likely that the actual teaching of it, even in a classroom situation, was going to sink in too deep. Because he didn't want to be associated with that silliness. You see, and that's what it does. Back to the, to the um, um, political issues and such that we face in this world. My wife and I, by the way, my wife is sitting over here on the bed in our cabin. Say hello. Hello. Say hello again. <laughs> hello. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure they could hear you. We have been, us and our church have been really involved in some local politics working on getting people elected into local office, um, going to city council meetings, being part of uh, what we call PFC, Palmdale Freedom Coalition, which is a group of people that have come together, primarily, not only, but primarily conservatives, uh, just American patriots that are tired of seeing our um, city, our state, our nation go the way it's going. Now we're standing up and saying enough's enough. And we're fighting to get it back on track. And um, I don't know, maybe in one of my podcasts I have mentioned this, but there's several, there are many people that come to this PFC meetings and, and that we've been working with. I mean, some of our rallies have had upwards of close to seven, 800 people, but we usually work with, a, you know, on that level, about 100 to 200 people at rallies. And on any given Wednesday, we're around anywhere from 30 to 50 people, or key people that are really making this happen. Now, I told you all those numbers for a reason. Out of all of this, there's only about, even in the largest rallies, there's about six pastors that show up. Four or five of them are from my church, my wife and I, Pastor Abraham, Pastor Adriana, and sometimes our youth pastors, sometimes our children's pastors, but if only six show up and minimum four of them are from my church, that means only two other pastors are there representing their church. Two other pastors. In a city, now our city, we we live in one city that's... Um, about 160, 70,000 people. The city right next door, same, about 160, 170,000 people. So out of this region, and they, they've kind of grown into each other, almost one big city. So we have, in the entire region, close to a half a million people. So in a city that affects a half a million people, and we have rallies, we have meetings, we go to the city council meetings. And out of approximately a half a million people, we can only get six pastors, four from one church, and two, maybe, from another church. So, really, not more than three, as far as pastors, leadership is concerned, three churches represented, and most of the time, it's not even three. Most of the time, it's one, my church. Now, I'm not saying other Christians don't come out from other churches. They certainly do. I'm talking about the leadership. And so so think about this. These pastors won't come out to shape a major um, influencer of our culture, our society, and our world today, politics and government. They won't come out and do that. But when something goes wrong politically, when a governmental official does something foolish or wicked, they point and say, It's a sign of the times. Meaning, well, it's just supposed to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. So they don't show up to make a positive change. But when something negative happens, they blame the devil. Does that even make sense? I want you to think about that for just a moment. Does that even make sense? That's like looking up at the roof of your house, seeing that it's not looking too good. It's wearing thin in some areas. It's your house. It's your house. And you realize... Wow, the the roof is getting really thin up there, but you do nothing. You don't show up to go fix it, to patch it, to repair it. The rains come, water gets into your house, ruins your flat screen TV, and you blame everything else and everyone else except your own laziness. That's the church of Jesus Christ in America today. We see the problems. Gotta be a fool not to got to be blind you got to be stupid not to the problems get worse on our watch and instead of realizing we need to get involved in this system to make it more righteous in other words we got to fix the holes so it doesn't leak we just wait until something really goes bad like all this abortion nonsense that's being passed Mm -hmm. all these wicked democrat liberal politicians getting elected why because christians won't even show up because they keep saying what's the point what's the point again you look at your roof you know it needs to be repaired you know the rain's coming get your lazy butt up there and fix your roof that's why you don't wait until everything goes to hell in a handbasket and and here's the modern church wait until everything goes to hell in a handbasket and then do something well the modern church won't even do anything it just gives them more of an excuse not to do something does that make any sense well i'll help you out ladies and gentlemen no it does not it does not make any sense we are to be involved in every aspect of culture and society in our cities in our states our nation every aspect and bringing about righteousness into every walk of life and every aspect of culture and society. That, my friend, is the Great Commission. Making disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the fullness of the Father, the fullness of the Son, and the fullness of Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that Jesus taught. How do you do that if you're not engaged in culture? in society so how can you bring righteousness into the political realm if you're not involved in it how can you be uh, bring righteousness into the educational realm if you're not involved in it how can you bring righteousness into any realm or any place any business into movies into television into print if you're not involved in it we can no longer use it's a sign of the time as an excuse for ourselves being lazy and foolish and wicked because that's what it is again let's get back to the hole in the roof you look up you see the the roof is getting pretty thin and it probably needs some work you got your babies in there you got your family in there people you claim to love now the storm comes rain starts pouring in on them Rain starts shortening out all the electricity. Rain starts really causing all kinds of problems. Now the home that you wanted to think was safe for your children is a nightmare. It's unsafe. You can't keep your kids there. They're getting flooded out. They could get electrocuted. But instead, if it was the modern Christian, we would just go... Oh, it's Antichrist. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. It's a sign of the time. We've got to do this. We've got to allow this. This has got to happen. There's nothing I can do about it while your children are drowning. And that's exactly what's happening in our nation. Because Christians are not getting involved. We are drowning. Our children are drowning. Do you know that your children and grandchildren are drowning in debt that they didn't incur? and And the debt was incurred by our government on our watch on your watch oh it's just a sign of the times no it's a sign of the laziness of the church in america well you know it's just going to happen because the church is lazy and wicked right now we need to rise up stop being so lazy stop making so many stupid excuses and start getting involved in every aspect of culture and society and make a change nothing is going to change until we change And then when we change, we can go out and change this world to look like the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers Podcast. I'd really love to hear from you. Please look us up on the web at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Or you can email me at gwccrobert.org at gmail.com i'd really love to hear from you please let us know how we're doing keep all those comments coming until next time you all have a great and a blessed day